Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 500 Mile Podcast. My name is Justin Kolb, alongside Michael Skinner. Michael did some turning left and right this weekend uh, for both series, the Trucks and Cup, both at Sonoma. Uh, some pretty good racing, but also had another first-time winner this weekend. Um, a lot to go over here. Yeah, uh, I would say that the you know biggest storyline is that first-time winner. And what a good first time winner it was, you know, you brought it up earlier that you can't remember a time where, you know, everybody was so excited for that first time winner. And honestly, the nearest that I can maybe put back to that I can honestly remember would be, uh, you know, either Alex Bowman uh, winning at Chicagoland. That one was a pretty big one just because of, you know, his story kind of up through the ranks. Um, and then a personal one that when I, that I was there for at the racetrack was Trevor Bain in 2011 when he won uh, the Daytona 500. So, uh, but yeah, other than those two, I really can't, I think the next one will be Tyler Reddick. That'll be another first time winner one. Um, but really that's kind of, yeah, that's, I, I'd have to agree. I can't remember of a bigger time recently other than those. Good stuff. Well, before we get to that, we got to get to the truck series race, which um, was pretty okay. Had some, some good racing all around, but uh, I mean, as far as storylines, not much to go over, really. Um, Kyle took the victory, one out of five this season. Um, continues the win streak from 2013, so a uh, 10-year win streak there. Um, as fans, we like that. I know as non-fans, you may not like that, but it is. I mean, it kind of is what it is. So Kyle's in it. He's probably going to win at some point. And uh, I mean, other than that, the big story of the weekend of course, was Carson Hosevar, uh with the injury. Somehow put that thing on the pole. Uh, did wreck it in the next corner because of where the line was, the timing line. But, I mean, Michael, I mean, my thought on that, with the, with the state of his ankle, I know he crashed coming out of that final corner, but to put it on the pole to begin with, with the state that ankle was in, that is just absolute badass territory for me. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have thought it was possible. Um, you know, one thing I do want to bring up in that is they had asked, uh, you know, Kyle during the week before, you know, how do you think mm -hmm. that he'll do? And Kyle almost basically was like, you know, he'll have almost no problem, um, with it, which I was kind of surprised with the big of an injury as it was. And then he goes out and sets, sets on the pole. So I'm like, man, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe he was right. But I mean, what a, what an incredible feat just to begin with, just to get inside, of that truck you know he, he's got to lift himself up with using his legs um you know and we saw how bad, hard it was for him just to hobble and walk around let alone sit inside the race truck and and push the go pedal so pretty impressive um i i wouldn't have expected that out of carson i'll be honest he doesn't he didn't seem like one of those you know tough and rugged guys but he ultimately proved me wrong and i'm i'm happy about that so i'm impressed um you know i i brought this up to you you know with a little text message earlier, you know, he's, he's kind of on the same line as, as what we talked about John Hunter Nemechek last week. He's, he's almost overdriving it, you know, to a point to where I, I fully think, you know, had, had he just backed it down a little bit right there, still would have won the pole by, by a 10th or two, uh, but wouldn't have wrecked the truck. But I think he was just, he was 100% full send and, uh, you know, he was going for it. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair to him, that corner does come up on you pretty quick, but for sure. I mean, he ran, I think it was 12 laps, got all the way up to, I think, 24th was the highest. He may have gotten even higher than that. I mean, 
even with the injury, you know, he was the plan. They had a plan, which was a good plan, even with as good as he was running. They don't want to do more damage to that ankle than they already did. So um, for that, it was a good plan, and I'm glad that they all stuck to it. But, I mean, he made it up to that spot. And, I mean, the stage breaks, he could have gotten even higher, I'm sure. Just the pace he still had with the state that ankle was in, stupidly impressive. And, um, I mean, to get out of the truck and uh, give it to another driver, that's uh, that takes a whole different level of uh, confidence, and you know I'm sure it was tough on him, but it was ultimately the right thing to do. And I mean that truck still got six place points, so no stage points or anything like that. But you know as far as the overall day, still get six place po- six place points for for starting that truck. Yeah, I'm kind of curious on why he wouldn't get any stage points. Um, you know the deal has kind of always been. You know, you substitute the driver, you get the points, uh, you know, even even the win points, I guess. But um, from what I heard, NASCAR didn't want people to substitute, I guess, drivers, uh, you know, that were better suited for, I guess, a different racetrack to achieve that. Which so that's sense. kind of, yeah, it's kind of far. It's kind of far fetched on on that one. Uh, you know, I think, you know, he deserved the I think he deserved the points, any points that. um that Suarez got for him there. Cause I mean, he put in the fastest lap in qualifying, you know, drove, like you said, drove up, um, you know, to mid pack there before, before the first or before he came in on lap 11, which that's one, that's another one. I don't understand for, for why do you bring him in on lap 11 rather than either one, just letting him finish or, well, they had know. a plan that that was the whole thing. They had a plan that they were sticking to, which in all honestly makes sense and was probably the best idea considering the state of that lake. So that's all that was. Yeah, I was just curious on on why they chose, you know, I guess that late into the run. You think yeah. that you would have let him get one one lap in, then change out the driver because he would have been as close to the front as possible. I mean, because you got to think they went two laps down. They were other than a few lucky breaks here and there. You know, they were kind of sol. Um, you know, eleven laps into the race. That was probably the most impressive part: the fact that Daniel was able to come back from two laps down. Because yeah, I mean, it, it should have only been one lap down, but of course they had some issues getting him in and all buckled and ready to go. So ended up going two down. So to come back and finish six, I mean, was even more impressive. I think they got lucky with a caution that came out at some point, if I remember correctly. But I mean, still to go two laps down at a road course race and be able to make that back up, I mean, very impressive. Yeah, for sure. That's um. Yeah, it was impressive by really the whole team involved. They gave, they brought Carson a a good truck. They brought two good trucks to the racetrack. And, you know, they would have been one, two in qualifying. You know, the guy with the broken ankle goes out there and sets on the pole, drives up into the top half of the field before lap 11. And then they're able to come back from two laps down. So really impressed with the whole Nice Motorsports team um, and, and that aspect. So they did a good job. Absolutely. And of course, Ross had a good day as well. So, I mean, overall, pretty good day for, for Nice Motorsports. I'm sure there's not much to complain with there. Um, some good runs. I'm sure they would have liked to have some of their other trucks closer towards the front. But I mean, for the day they had, I'm sure they'll take it. So um, other than that, Michael, I can't think of very many big storylines other than Stuart Friesen, who, I mean, looked like he pretty much got involved in everything on Saturday, unfortunately. Yeah, he had an awful day. Uh, you know, they had some pretty good strategy there to start stage two with. Um, they were able to stay on the lead lap right there at the end to to move up, I think, to like a third starting third place starting position for stage two. And it just got worse and worse from there. One thing I want to do do want to say is I want to give praise to Ty Majeski. This is the second time he's ever been on a road course 
and you know he was top top three all day uh you know so he just keeps depressing and pressing more and more the more seat time he gets you know and i brought this up i think maybe it was a week or so ago you know at this point in time for the past probably three months he's really outperformed his much more experienced and veteran teammates which i really honestly didn't expect this early into the season um you know but the same could go to you know to zane smith another guy that's really impressed this year always just seems to kind of be there at the end you know he's matured a lot and he's turned all of those fast race trucks into winning trucks and then when he doesn't quite have a winning truck he's still able to finish you know in uh in in the top five and and, and the top three so overall yeah there wasn't, wasn't many huge storylines um you know kyle got one of one of five and and was able to increase that uh you know that winning streak so he'll go back next year and go to f- five more racetracks and try to do it again i'm sure Absolutely. The cycle continues. All right. Anything else we want to discuss about the truck race uh, before we go into the finishing results of everything? No, not that I think of. I'm good. Good stuff. All right. So we'll go into the finishing results. As we said, Kyle Busch was your winner, leading 45 out of 75 laps on Saturday en route to victory. Zane Smith came home in second, did not lead any laps, surprisingly, but Ty Majeski in third did lead four. Uh, Ross Chastain in fourth, led 19 laps on the day. Chandler Smith rounds out the top five. Uh, I did find it funny how when they were talking to him uh, during that red flag, was talking about how he was going to wax his boss and then ended up finishing fifth. So uh, I don't know if that's shade or not, but I just found that really funny. Um, Carson Josevar slash Daniel Suarez finished in the sixth position. Uh, Carson technically gets credit for that, of course. Parker Kligerman finished in seventh. John Hunter Nemechek in 8th, Tyler Ankrum in ninth, and Matt DiBenedetto in 10th. Just a few notables here going through. Grant Enfinger recovered from that spin earlier in the race to finish 11th. Harrison Burton finished in 12th. Austin Dillon 17th. Todd Bodine 20th. Boy, what a day Todd had. Uh, Alex Bowman in 29th. Jade Buford in 33rd. Didn't actually realize he was in that race. Uh, Haley Deegan finished 32nd, Matt Crafton 34th, and Christian Eckes 35th. Michael, we'll uh, start with you. Your thumbs up and thumbs down on the weekend. One thing I do want to say is I didn't realize how far those uh, pack of tires would go when a truck hit them. Yeah. I thought those things were more solid than that, and that truck just launched them in the air a couple feet. Okay, wait, <laughs> I don't think I... I don't think I remember ever seeing seeing a, a truck or a car punt those tires just directly like that and just keep on going like it never even happened. Um, I would say my thumbs up. He ended up having a bad pit stop at the end of the race, but Tyler Ankrum, I think in the second stage um, and coming towards the end of uh, the actual race, I think he had the best long-running truck. He was out four... Kyle was out four seconds on him at one point in time before Tyler passed Ross. And before Kyle made his final pit stop for the final stage, Tyler was able to run that lead all the way down to 2.8 seconds uh, just in a couple laps. So, uh, you know, I said earlier in the year, these guys got to start showing up more if they're going to be any part in the playoffs. And the past couple of weeks, they have been. Uh, they've gotten a little bit better. The speed's a little bit there. Uh, you know, they just had some bad luck. So overall, I think I'm going to give him my thumbs up. Ran a good race until he had the pit road penalty, cleaned some of that little stuff up. And I think that uh, that 16 truck is, is going to be 
uh, getting close to the playoffs here with, I believe, five races left before, uh, you know, their four. chase starts for close enough. Um, as for my thumbs down, oh, this is I got to give it to Christian Eckes because he just he seems like he has a really hard time just not blocking a KBM truck and being put in the wall. Yeah, it just it just seems to be a trend. <laughs> and it happens a lot. A lot. So, yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is interesting. I I pretty much knew that truck had gotten turned around by someone when it was sitting there, and uh, yeah, we'll behold another KBM truck. What I, so what I thought what I thought was funny though is they at first they showed one KBM truck with damage, yep. and it was actually the other KBM truck that hit him. I'm like, all right, look, they're they're they were like, man, even they know it. They're like, we're gonna find a KBM truck, and one of them had to have hit v98 and you know what they were they correct were yeah all right well i think uh my thumbs up gonna be go to is gonna go to the man that you actually mentioned earlier ty majeski because it does seem like he's starting to get his feet under him a very good run on saturday even though it was only four laps led finished third and i mean just the performance he's been showing up until now has just been you could just see some improvement and uh, i think that's only going to improve as we go along this season Thumbs down. I mean, I mentioned uh, Stuart Friesen's really bad day. Part of the contributor of that was Matt DiBenedetto in that 25. I just really don't know where he was going in turn 11 when he hit the tires and spun out Friesen. So I think just because of that and quite frankly because there's really nothing else that went on, I think that's going to be where my thumbs up or my thumbs down is going to have to go to. Michael, did anybody get Iwuji'd this weekend? Yeah, the tire barrier. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, actually, I, I would have to say probably Josh Blakey. He got wooji pretty hard yeah. by Stuart Friesen there at the end. Uh, that all joking good. aside, that was a big accident at big. a pretty fast part of the racetrack where there was no safer barrier. Like there's which, no safer barrier on that front stretch, which doesn't make any sense because Casey Kane hit at that exact same spot. Like what? Five years ago. Did we not learn from that? Like, that's a very fast part of the racetrack. Why are we not putting protection there? Because it's quite literally just a concrete wall we have there. What's, why? Well, I it's I kind of put that in the same line that I, I said during, during when I was watching qualifying. Why would NASCAR put the line before the turn? If you, you know that they're going to try to wreck their race car to get the fastest lap. You know, but like you said, NASCAR will be NASCAR and well, kind of goes along the same lines. I do want to give a shout out to Brad Perez. Uh, yes. Two truck races on two road courses and two top 25s. Bringing the truck home, bringing home good finishes and our man, the onion in 20th. <laughs> Not without some controversy, but. Oh, he had a little run in with an old friend of his and the yeah. Menards, you know, Menards truck. So. Also bringing it back about one of them uh, uh the pre or why is this name escaping me the car that chastain drives nice got spun up the nice motorsports car yeah. i do I, I before we jump out of the trucks i do want to bring up something right. and i've been thinking about it the past few weeks okay how why does it always seem like the 41 and the 42 from nice motorsports always run in the top five and no matter who they put in the 40 and the 45, they always perform poorly. 
Because you got to think, Ryan Truex was in the 40 last year, and I think he maybe had one top five finish. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen the 40, the 45, and I think the 44 is an East Motorsports truck too. I don't think I've is. seen them in the top 20. I'll be honest. Well, you do kind of have to look at who's running those trucks. Yeah, but Ryan Truex ran the 40 last year, and he goes and runs top five in the Xfinity series. Well, that's in a uh, in a Gibbs car. But still, uh, I'm I don't just know that's comparable. I'm I get just, what you're saying, but I don't. I'm just, I mean, I, I'm noticing a trend is what I'm saying with the trucks, right? Because I'm just noticing a trend. I'll leave it at that. And maybe maybe I, you'll maybe you'll thing. notice a okay. So you see it, you know. It just kind of seems like I thought maybe last year I'm like, hey. I know Ryan Truex isn't that bad. I mean, heck, he ran that, what, that 91 truck or 61 truck and led the championship for half the year before they ran out of money. And the toy, and the, uh, that was the Goodyear truck, I think, at Daytona that, that one year when he almost won uh, the truck race at Daytona. So I know Ryan Truex is a good race car driver. And then now, yes, I mean, Dean Thompson's Lawless on Chris Wright, they're probably not the best. But to see the other two trucks run, you know, top five every week just makes me scratch my head a little bit. Like, they're yeah. always slow. Like, they can't run one fast lap in qualifying either. That's all I'm saying. It does, does make you wonder. All right. Well, um, anything else we want to talk trucks before we move on to the big show? I would say it's time for the big show. All right. Let's get to the big show. And, uh, of course, the biggest news of all, Daniel Suarez finally got it done. Michael, I don't know about you, but uh, I didn't really... I thought I would get emotional on Sunday, just with everything Daniel's gone through, but I didn't. It was Monday, actually, watching the highlights that it all kind of hit me. And I really don't know why. I think it's just mainly the story. Um, both you and I have been watching Daniel for a very long time at this point. We know his story. We know that, you know, was running... Xfinity won that championship. Carl Edwards retires. He's kind of just forcefully thrusted into that 19 car and really only given two seasons before Martin Truex Jr.'s team uh, Furniture Row Racing quits because they're not going to pay the amount of money that Joe Gibbs wants for, you know, the partnership. So they go away. Martin needs a home. Uh, Suarez gets shuffled out after two years of, you know, the performance wasn't there, but, you know, he's a rookie in a new series. You kind of have to give him time. But he was not given that time. He was thrust to the side. Uh, Stuart Haas picked him up for a year. That was cool. But, I mean, once again, thrusted to the side. And I, I don't know how you feel, but I think 2020 was kind of the year that, I mean, everybody thought it when he went to the, the 96 of not really knowing if he was going to get another shot. And, I mean, should Trackhouse not form, I don't think he does get another shot, honestly. So I think just kind of the roller coaster that he went through in his career and just knowing that he's now at a place where everybody at that team believes in Daniel. I think that's just kind of the part that sent it home for me. Just knowing that he's, uh, he's at a team where he's loved and um, everybody knows that at any week he can go out there and win it. I think that's kind of the, the best part for me about what happened Sunday. Yeah, definitely a good story. Uh, you know, for me, you know, looking at looking at it, you know, he missed the 2020 Daytona 500. 
he did. You know, and you kind of look back at that and was like, you know, that's that was his rock bottom. Uh, you know, that was a point in time where you don't know what his career is going to do. And, you know, I, I've always kind of had faith in Daniel. You know, he he ran well in the Xfinity series. It took him a little while to get there. And Joe Gibbs, you know, for the past 10 years has kind of had this thing to where they give people two years and then push them to the to the, you know, curb for the newest and greatest thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They have a, a bad tendency of that. You look at Hendrick. Hendrick has sat there and built all of these young race car drivers and given them time to evolve into who they are. Um, you know, it took, geez, I, I can't remember. It took Chase Elliott, what, three years to win in, uh, Two, yeah. in, the, in the Cup Series? Um, Two and a half. Yeah, I mean, regardless, I mean, he he ran the the, the what the twenty four for two years, and then finally got it done in the nine at Watkins Glen, yep. again at a road course. You know, another first time winner at the road course. But yeah, uh, it's a story, and I think I think Daniel Suarez, and I think this his biggest saving grace is his fan base that supports him as a race car driver, because Coke has been with them from the beginning. And I don't think Coke would still be there if he didn't have such a following. You know, that is fair. Yeah, Dan- I think Daniel Suarez's career has been saved multiple times by his fan base and by how marketable he is to his fan base. So I think the coolest moment for me, and I told you this, is as cool as it was. I, you know, I've had the fortunate ability to see my guy win and see him win a championship, but to see your guy win his first race with you know his amigos you know with his group and have all of those fans there in one section you know you could feel how passionate he was when he got out of the race car and how excited he was for the people that have supported them through it all so to me you know i think that's i think that's the, the you know the moment that it's like man you know this guy has hit rock bottom his fans stuck with him every race every day that they were there and he's now come through that, worked through all the trouble he's had this year. Because, you know, and, and all honesty, if he goes winless this year, I don't know if he's back next year. To be honest with you, I mean, he's running good, but he's had such bad luck. But if you put that to Ross Chastain, who's went out there and won two races already, you know, it, it's tough to kind of not start pointing fingers. So he, in a extremely p- pressure-filled season, he went out there, performed you know, didn't put a, a foot wrong, didn't put a tire wrong all day. Yeah. And, you know, was able to go out there on, <clears throat> you know, NASCAR's most technical road course, you know, and show that he is a winner. And, man, speaking of winner, you know, how about Trackhouse on, uh, on road courses? They have just been absolutely dominant. Yes. They have uh, taken two of them so far, two out of the six, Coda and Sonoma. Next one, July 4th weekend at Road America to see if they can continue the their winning ways there. Um, and one guy that did not win, but, I mean, was pretty much up there all day long. Two of them, really. Uh, the first being Busher, of course, who gave Suarez his biggest challenge, I mean, pretty much all day. But he was up in that top five all day, too, which was just, I mean, stupidly impressive. Just considering how up and down uh, RFK has been this year it was nice to see both of them with the top 10 and i know brad i think finished 10th but he was up there in fifth at one point so 
Um, yeah, tenth. Uh, it was it was really good to see RFK run well. Another guy that was up there pretty much all day, Michael McDowell. Who, Michael, you brought up a great point that you know he's been having a secretly great season. He's been running up front, not all the way up to the lead, but you know top ten, been more consistent than he has been last year. It's uh, things are looking good for that thirty four as well, and I'm all for it at this point for both Busher and uh michael mcdowell they've both been long overdue at this point yeah i mean to tell you how good of a season that they've had for you know michael mcdowell in the 34 and again just don't take this out of context of me saying this is a stellar season but you know i'm putting it around the people that are around right so you look at 16th is the playoff spot there are only four places out of that playoff spot there are 100 or so points behind but the, the drivers that are currently in front of them, are you ready? Is Austin Sindrick, race winner. Daniel Suarez, race winner. Kurt Busch, race winner. You know, directly behind Denny Hamlin, two race, you know, race wins. You take some of those race wins away, Michael McDowell may be on the cusp of being in the 16-point playoff. And, I mean, that's extremely impressive, you know. For a team that I don't think anybody expected to be running this well, I don't think a driver that gets enough credit for running well, you know, he's five positions ahead of Bubba Wallace in the points standings and 50 points, you know, uh, clear of him. So, you know, look at it as a counterpoint because I believe uh, they have a, do they have a partnership with Roush or is it uh, Stuart Haas? That is a good question. If I had to get, I think it's Roush. I don't think there's a partnership with Stuart Haas. Well, regardless, they're beating Harrison Burton and Cole Custer. You know, so they're having a good season. Yeah, they're 20th in the points, but you look at the teams around them, they're literally surrounded by teams that wouldn't even be in the playoffs if they didn't have a race win. You know, they're they're outperforming their budget. They're outperforming teams. And competing with teams that have triple the budget. So, I mean, hats off when I saw that stat. I'm like, wow, that's, that's you know, pretty good. I look him in the points. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's having a solid, solid year. He has as many top tens as Kurt Busch. Yeah. You know, which is, so. That's solid, which is man. nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, you don't, you don't really think about it too much, but that's, that's kind of a big deal, you know, to be able to race around those guys, especially first year in a new car. You know, they're showing that they are improving. They're improving every weekend. They finish where they're supposed to be finishing. And you know one thing they don't have? Pit road penalties. <laughs> that's I that's mean, a beautiful I, thing right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, they don't make the mistakes. They they finish where they run. I mean, you look at, you know, the starting lineup for these guys. Busher finished third, started or finished second, started third. Mike McDowell finished fourth, started third. These guys literally ran in the same exact spots all day. And that is one thing, awesome. Go ahead. One thing I do want to say is uh, Kevin Harvick has been listening to Gunther Steiner on F1 a little bit too much. <laughs> Definitely seen Drive to Survive multiple times uh, because I swear to God that his pit crew looked like the biggest fucking bunch of wankers ever on pit road. And I would have to agree. I am by no means a Kevin Harvick fan. I know that his career is coming to an end. And I hate when race car drivers end their career on a losing streak. I'd like to see them go out on some type of a of a high. I think they deserve that. Uh, but watching that pit road, 
last stop was almost as bad as watching Kyle Busch's truck crew at Charlotte. It was yeah. just, you just, this, they come in the, the 17, and you see the 17 leave, and then it just still sitting and sitting. Other cars start coming in a pit road, and oh, there, there goes Kevin. I mean, had that been a green, an actual green flag pit stop with no, with no caution, you know, there he probably would have lost ten seconds to Busher in in the pit stop. So that's, uh, yeah, that that one sounds pretty bad. Definitely, because I mean, they definitely had a strong car. He was, I mean, not he was not kidding. They had a chance to win that, and unfortunately, yeah. they just couldn't capialize. Um, they did now, still get a top five out of it, but I mean. The, the wind is what obviously gone. Been. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I do have to say, what is worse, Justin, than having a bunch of wakers every week as your pit crew? I don't know. What is worse? A uh, four-week vacation. Ah, yes. And that's what Cliff Daniels gets to take. Uh, he and the five-team lost a wheel on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, Cliff will actually be able to take a five-week vacation if he wants since there's an off week. So uh, maybe he'll just be in the shop working harder. I don't know. But... Yeah, they'll uh, yeah. probably be. They'll probably come back and win the next four races after his vacation. Well, I'm sure they will. Yeah, he'll be a new that'll man. Be the, he'll be refreshed. That'll be the Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss type thing to do. So, <laughs> that's that's what I imagine if it was in Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss's prime. That's kind of kind of how it would go. Um, that's funny. Cause but you know what was true. you know what was funny is how many people were curious on why Clint had to deal with a personal matter. I heard from that he was busy uh, collecting all those PlayStations that he sold to he was getting a divorce. But people have some crazy imaginations. Yeah, and I'll, I, I don't really want to get into that. That's that's a him thing. We just know it was a personal matter. So um, I was just, it was kind of weird. He hasn't tweeted anything, but, um, you know. We did, his... like I said, if you read the comments, there are, you get some interesting takes. Yep, get some interesting theories. Right. So, but yeah, he um, had some sort of personal matter this weekend. So we had Larry Mack in the booth along with Tony Stewart. Tony did a great job. Called Ross Chastain out on his mirror driving. Oh, that that was, was great. That was great. And you know, at one point in time, what do you say? It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a race without Ross Chastain hitting somebody. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, you know, the one. <sighs> Did you hear the audio from Austin Dillon? With Richard Childress or something else? With, no, uh, regarding Ross Chastain. Did you hear yeah, that? Yeah. I think with have, what Richard Childress said. You were dealing with that, you know, yeah, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. what he, I guess what he said was bullshit. Typical Ross. Yeah. Oh yeah. I still want to point out that that L interview is total bullshit. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, uh... I mean, I, this is as much as I have enjoyed the next gen car on mile and a half this year. I I have we've seen multiple races now in short tracks, um, you know, super speedways. It's kind of the same as it was. It's not really I'd say really any different. Uh, but the road courses, for me, I miss the old generation of car. I think. This car is too good on road courses. Um, I don't. I don't think the drivers. I don't think he's as tough to drive, so I don't think it puts on as good of a show 
And I think if it continues down this road, and this is just my personal opinion, I think if it continues down this road for the way road courses are performing, I think very quickly we'll start reducing those back to four, and then we'll be back to two again. Hey, that may work out perfectly with everybody else who wants more short tracks, so maybe those two timelines can collide at the same point. But, but I mean, the short tracks haven't been much better either, so That's maybe true. we'll just go back to having more, more, <laughs> more mile and a half, you know, 2005-ish type of yeah. deal but i mean I, I don't know your opinion on that but that's just kind of my my stand on it i don't think that i think these cars are too good uh you know road course cars to compared to what we used to and i don't think it puts on as good of a show um you know I, one thing i don't remember who said i think it was i think it was tony who said it earlier in in the race you know he's never he's never seen two cars be able to go up through turn one through turn two and turn three while all still being side you know all but side by side so i think that just shows how how much grip that they have you know um which i don't it's not a bad ultimately it's not a bad thing you know these cars just race more like gt3 car um which i'm kind of a little disappointed about but it is what it is but that's just my personal opinion i kind of wanted your take on what you thought of the first two road course races of the year yeah i don't I don't know. I mean, it definitely makes sense that, you know, because they are, like you said, pretty much GT3 cars. So the part that that part doesn't really surprise me um, that they race maybe too well on road courses. I kind of think that I want to wait until Road America, you know, the halfway point, not of the season, but of the road courses that we have until I get a real good opinion of it. Because, I mean, that track is going to be long and intense. So we had Coda, which was long and... I mean, put on a, a relatively good show, but I definitely think that Sonoma obviously passed the the first uh, win this week. Definitely, you could argue that it wasn't a very good show in terms of racing and competitiveness, but I mean, the cars definitely did drive well on there. As you said, maybe too well, um, at least from the little bit of racing I did. I can tell you those brakes work really good, which is nice, refreshing for those cars, but um, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I would kind of put it like this. Like it, it puts on a good road course show. Yeah. Right. Because it's, a, it's basically, they built it as a type of road course car, right? It's symmetrical. Yep. You know, it, it has road course built. things. That's, that's where they got all these ideas from is from a road course car, right? They got it from the GT3 cars. That's, that's why a lot of this stuff is, is working. But yep. I don't know if it puts on a good enough NASCAR road course race to continue to bring them back. Um, you know, you heard a lot of the times people say that it was too hard to follow, right? It was too hard to pass. It should never be too hard to pass on a road course. There's multiple opportunities. It shouldn't be too hard. You know, one thing that I heard was going through turn 10, if you were the car behind, you were extremely tight behind the car in front of you. So it was, it was harder to make a move. Those types of things, we don't really... We don't really need, um, right. you know, so this may be one of those deals where the car might do better if we take the, the, you know, the underpan off and the diffuser off. Maybe it, maybe it runs a little bit better at, at the road course. So I hope that they kind of go through the options, but I would say one thing about the road course is what I think we desperately need to get rid of is I think we need to get rid of having two stages. I think it's kind of the same deal as, I... The 300 lap races, one 
have won somewhere in between halfway, you know, and 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 the I would say the you know one quarter mark kind of deal, because it really there yeah it has some strategy to it, but overall I think it actually hurts the the product on the racetrack. I mean, the best option that I've heard so far is you can keep the stages, just don't throw the yellow for it, just let them run. Um, yeah, you know, NASCAR is not really going to do that, but that's that's honestly, if we want a solution to these road course races and keeping the strategy alive, that's probably your best shot at it. Yeah, because the whole pitting before with two laps to go, that's not really a strategy, right? That's not exactly, you know, if if you're within, you know, 13, if you were within, I think it was like 13 seconds or so of the leader, if he pitted, you could make it back to the line before, um, you know, before the, the pits were closed, something on the line of that, but. You know, I think we missed the opportunity of people short pitting, using all the tires, and then people, you know, having, you know, what was it, uh, Martin Truex that one year, you know, he ran a really, really short second stage of the race, and then Kyle ran a really long second, you know, second stage of the race, and they kind of met, you know, in, in the middle a little bit. With 25 laps, you really don't get that opportunity for a pit stop. Yeah. And I mean, I know that literally everybody has been complaining about that since stages have been introduced at road courses so i think i mean i think that i think the thing is is right is a lot of people get so hung up on just oh i don't want stages i don't want stages i say that's fine that's cool but they're not going anywhere how about we try to find a way to come up with a common ground as a nascar fan and nascar as a whole maybe come up with an equal ground you can still have stages but like we don't need four stages in the Coke 600. Can't we just run the? <laughs> can we just run three stages and actually have some strategy and and the last, um, you know, and the last hundred, two hundred laps or so of the race kind of deal. So I think the stages are going to stay. We need to get off the roll of, you know, them going away. They're not. I'm sorry. So I think if we maybe just find a better way to use utilize them, um. And I think it would honestly, I think if you did that, if you limited the amount of stage points in some of these races, I think that they would race harder and they would be even more valuable, uh, you know, uh, to going into the playoffs because there wouldn't be so many. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Like maybe maybe make the the races that only have one, maybe make them worth three points, you know, two points kind of deal to make up for the for the loss if you're going to do that. Um type of deal but yeah i think stages are here to stay but i think if we can work a way to make it work for everybody i think that's a pretty good deal yeah for sure because i mean that race would have ran green flag from start to finish had they not had the stage breaks yeah and i mean think of the strategy that people could have played in that as well so so i mean yeah if you it is nice to bunch of field back up but i think in a race like that one is enough bunch them back up like I said, at at the quarter mark or the halfway mark, and then just let them run it out. Because at the end of the day, we want to see some different strategies. We want to see the race plays out, you know. But the same people that complain about stages are the same people that will complain if the race goes, you know, seventy five laps caution free. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's no winning. So, but yeah, that that's just kind of my opinion. I wanted your opinion on on how the race kind of played out, how the car was, um, and just kind of what the you know what the format you think is the best option. I mean pretty much what you said i mean other than the the stage idea i've heard of just take away the yellows or the actual yeah actual breaks in it because i mean other than that there's not too much more excitement you can get out of a road course if you take the strategy out of it obviously you have the racing aspect of it but as we saw on sunday not even that can save you sometimes so 
I definitely do think that at least at road courses, again, we don't need to do it for ovals. You can keep your stages there. It's whatever. You've already done it. Just road courses, we need to get some sort of action back, or I think you're exactly correct in what you said. I think we're going to start losing them. I am curious. I mean, Road America, I believe, is the biggest track we go to at this point. Michael, if that gets all strung out as well, do you think that could be the nail in the coffin for you know the amount of road course races we have? Yes and no. I feel like so Sonoma is always the most strung out road course that we go to. We, you know, when it was Watkins Glen Sonoma, Sonoma was always the more technical. Um, you know, only really good road course racers won at Sonoma. That was kind of the you know, the whole deal. Um so Road America you know, maybe I think I think it'll kind of be the same deal. I don't think you're going to see like Michael McDowell. I don't think you're going to see him and Chris Buescher up in the in the top ten at uh at Road America just because it you know that has a little bit more horsepower, a little bit more um you know handling aspects. It brings a little bit more of that big money stuff kind of back into play to where a Sonoma was more about technique, uh, you know, getting the car to stop, getting the car to roll a lot better uh you know because at at sonoma if you if you miss a section you've kind of ruined that next section and it was really hard to get it back to whereas road america is so long it's so flowing that if you miss a corner it's a lot easier to recover in the next corner because that next corner is relatively far away um you know typically the only place at road america where you really kind of see a misstep is going after the uh the second hard breaking after I don't know what they would call that, the where the Johnsonville sign is, that that breaking zone. Um the hard one going up the hill to the left and then you make that right. Uh, you know, people run off the racetrack there because it's, you know, part throttle, part brake kind of deal, and that's kind of a m- momentum killer if you get in the grass. Uh so same thing, you know, I would say honestly the next road course that we'll go to that's kind of similar to uh similar to Sonoma is going to be Indy. Yeah. It has fresher payment and the tire fall off isn't as bad, but it's a little bit more technical at the start of it. Um, and towards the middle. So I don't know. Um, for me, for me, the, the biggest tell is going to be when we get to Watkins Glen, because Watkins Glen always puts on a, a really good show. It's really fast, but if cars can't follow and have a tough time racing at Watkins Glen, and can't pass to me. That's going to be the biggest, uh, biggest black eye. Fair enough, yeah. So I think that, that's where my decision will kind of be made is is right there at Watkins Glen on what how I think the car did throughout the year on a road course. But yeah, it's tough. We've had two first time winners, so it kind of elevates. We had a you know crazy finish at Coda. Um, you know, it's kind of elevated those two races. To be honest with you, on Jeff Gluck's poll, I don't think if you you take the Definitely. those two situations away, I think those races kind of fall. I mean. Yeah. To be honest with you, when's the last time that you remember a road course that ran basically green that got a, you know, 70%, you know, approval rating from fans other than, you know, Chase Elliott winning, but you get my point. Yeah, for sure. It's been a, been a while, for sure. All right. Uh, Well, anything else we want to talk about Sonoma before we move on to the results? Yeah, I want to talk about one thing, Sonoma. Why can't we run there when the grass is green? <laughs> it is, looks awesome. Why let's go there when it's green? It is amazing. 
have to put it pretty early on the schedule because things die out pretty quickly here in California. That's okay. We're in California in February. It still rains. Oh, it still rains. It's okay. okay. And have... we got rain tires. Is, now we got those. True. There's, there's not they're really... gonna... I, I said it and then I realized gonna... it was a road course. It's okay. I got it. If they're going to they're gonna run those. You know, we had Dale Earnhardt Jr. with the big-ass spoilers. Now we got these big-ass windshield wipers. Nobody have you put seen how... On it. Yeah, Have nobody put accents on them this week. I, I hate those it. Those things I are the, huge. The Xfinity guys put accents on theirs. I want the Cup guys to put accents on theirs. It's, it's like, like the Rock's forearm on the window. It is, yeah. Like, I, uh... like do they actually work? Like, do the, are the motors able to move something that big? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll have to find out at some point. It'll, it'll rain at Road America. I'm sure. I'm calling it now. If it does, we'll uh, we'll reference this back to you. All right, let's oh. go over the uh, the finishing results here of Sonoma. Of course, your winner, the Amigo, Daniel Suarez, finished in first, led 47 laps en route to victory on Sunday. Chris Buescher, the strong run, came home in second, led four laps on the day. Michael McDowell in third, didn't lead any laps, unfortunately, but a very strong run for that team. Kevin Harvick in fourth. Uh, again, a good recovery with the pit stop, but again, not the result that he wanted considering the speed that car had. Austin Sindrick, the rookie, finished inside the top five in fifth. Great run for him. Ryan Blaney in sixth. Ross Chastain in seventh. Chase Elliott in eighth, led 26 laps on the day. William Byron in ninth. And Brad Kozlowski rounds out the top ten, actually led three laps on Sunday. Uh, just a few notables here. Justin Haley finished in 12th. Kyle Larson, 15th. Could never recover from that winning of stage one. They just kind of got shuffled back after that. Neither could Joey Logano. He finished in 17th after his stage two victory. Uh, Kurt Busch finished in 18th. The only Toyota inside the top 20. AJ Allmendinger in 19th. Was battling some power steering issues, but I mean, didn't really look it inside the car, but I wasn't driving it, so I don't know. Uh, Joey Hand finished in 20th, uh, Martin Truex Jr. 26th, Kyle Busch in 30th, and Tyler Reddick 35th. Bubba Wallace rounds out the field in 36th with a blown motor very early in the day. That motor only lasted nine laps. Michael, your thumbs up and your thumbs down. Uh, man, I think, I think over the obvious, you know, Daniel Suarez, I think we gave him his praise at the beginning. Uh, but my thumbs up has got to go to all of RFK. They did a really good job this weekend. Uh, they were off the truck really fast with Chris Buescher. Made Brad Kozlowski's car really good throughout the race. Had a really good strategy to get him um, into the top five, like you said, at one point in time. And to finish six, that is a huge you know, deal for a team, honestly, that's kind of been on a downward spiral since you know they won the duels at Daytona. Um, so, you know, I'm rooting for RFK. I, you know, I remember Roush when they were dominant on all the two mile racetracks, mile and a half type of stuff when the Biff was there. Uh, you know, it's, it, back then it kind of sucked competing against them, you know, every week, but you know, you kind of want them to get back to some type of prominence. Um, uh, as much as I dislike Brad Kozlowski sometimes, you know, I respect the choice he's made. I respect what he's doing. And I hope that it does work out. And I'd love to see RFK by the end of the year end up in uh, points-paying victory lane. Um, so there, my thumbs up. 
for that. I do have another quick thumbs up to AJ Amendinger. He was 10th with, I don't even, like maybe 11 laps to go, maybe less, with no power steering. So he started 16th, had no power steering, and was running 10th with, you know, just a couple handful of laps to go. He had a, you know, he had a spin there at the end, but, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen AJ, but he's not a big guy. No, he is not. So for him to manhandle the race car around with no power steering, uh, you know, it showed how good of a road course racer he really was. If he's top 10 with no power steering, that's... I can't fathom that at a oval racetrack, let alone turning left and right with a 3,500 pound stock car. So kudos to him on that. Yeah, made it look easy. Even Tony Stewart was like, oh, oh, is his shoulders moving? He's like, no, looks like just a Sunday drive. That's why I said that, because it didn't look like he was working hard in that car. But I mean, he had uh, he had his hands full on Sunday. That's for sure. Now, the one thing I would have to say is I definitely think that the new steering the way it is now. Um, with the rack and pinion makes it a little bit easier than it would have been if it was just the old uh, steering box. So even that was a little easier, still extremely incredible feat. And my thumbs down is, you know, who my thumbs down is going to, because it was a goddamn <laughs> shit show. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, want, I want to point this out to you. Okay. So, okay. Martin Truex, right? Three Sonoma wins. Okay. Christopher Bell, one road course win. Okay, so now we're up to four. We're four road course wins. Kyle Busch, four road course wins. Two at Sonoma, two at Watkins Glen. Total of eight. Denny Hamlin, I believe he has one at Watkins Glen. Yep. We have nine. They have nine road course wins. And they finished 26th, 27th, 30th, and 31st with the worst... First off, the cars were absolute garbage. But beyond that, their strategy, it's like, I, I, you know, I thought Cole Pern was going to help them. I think he made them worse. <laughs> I was going to say. You know, I talked so much about really? how, ex- you know, I was talking so much about, I was excited to have Cole Pern back, bringing him, you know, bringing him along, trying to kidnap him, tape him back to Juke's Racing. But they were awful. And this has nothing to do with Copern. I'm just using that as an example. But they were so bad. Like, they were bad at everything. They were slow on one lap. They were slow after five laps. They were slow after ten laps. But the, the, the craziest thing to me was, is they weren't that far off on Saturday. Yeah. So they made really bad adjustments compared to everybody else. Because not only they were outpaced, they were out. They couldn't pull a strategy out of their ass. You know, I, yep. I mean, it's not every day that I say, you know, if I told you, Justin, that you asked me, you know, you knew very little about NASCAR, right? That I would say, hey, Martin Truex, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, and Denny Hamlin finished 26th through 31st, right? You would assume that they wrecked. Yep. No, no, they Almost. didn't. Kyle... Kyle and Denny legitimately on speed strategy and mistakes lost to Josh Balicki. It's puzzling, man. It's puzzling. Like I said, the only thing that I can point towards is maybe the adjustments 
maybe they were. I, I don't know. It was an overcast Pre- start to the day. That's the all only thing the I can Toyotas, think of they got behind after that. All the that. Toyotas sucked. Every single one of them. Bubba Wallace is lucky his engine blew on lap nine because he would have had the same fate for the rest of the race. He probably well, was like, I man, I'm, I'm glad it only ran for nine laps. I don't know. Kirk got inside there in the top 20. Maybe he could have had a good day, too. Maybe it was just a Gibbs good problem. Good day. He ran 18th. He took the 51 he car ran and finished nine laps. second. I'm talking about Kurt Busch. He took the 51 car and ran second. Sonoma is his best road course. Michael, these are brand new cars, pal. This is 2012 again. I get what you're saying, but you got to put is expectations. Fords ran well. Chevys ran well. Toyotas ran like shit. Yeah. I'm that's, not. I'm not saying they're question. not going to correct it. I'm not saying that they're. That <laughs> I this, hope they correct that This it. is going to happen again. But I'm just. They ran like absolute garbage, and they were not that bad on Saturday. So I. It just it it puzzles you where it all went wrong. Again, my well, thought puzzled, is maybe the overcast on Sunday. I don't. I don't know. What about their bad strategy? <laughs> oh, I'm dark dying over here. I I just. I don't know how to explain it. Their strategy was awful. They were so desperate. They were pitting with 10 laps to go and hoping for a caution. Why? Nobody had tires. What the hell were you going to accomplish? <laughs> this is where I cry now. All right. I'll take over from here. My thumbs <laughs> up going to go to uh, Michael McDowell on that third place finish. Again, as we keep talking, led laps at... St. Louis just seems like he's uh, slowly putting together a pretty good season in that 34, and I love to see it. Um, I mean, quite honestly, my thumbs down has to go to all of Toyota as well. Just an absolute abysmal day all around. Um, Michael already went into it, so I'm not going to open that door again. I'm going to keep that closed, but yeah, that's where my thumbs down goes to. Uh, Michael, did anybody get Owoojied in the cup race? Was it Toyota? Uh, he's crying. All right. Oh yeah. No, that, listen. He's gonna pull himself out. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think anybody got a wujied. I saw people wuji themselves. There okay. was multiple lockups going into. Uh, I can't. I, what is that? Turn five. Turn they seven. start adding. They start adding numbers and letters to stuff. You know, it just goes 4A to 7. It, it, it makes perfect sense, right? You go from turn yeah. 4A to turn 7. Just It makes yeah, perfect that's, sense. That's close enough. I would say, honestly, it makes I would sense say the person... The the track, by the way. That's all I'll say. J- just to go on with the how bad Toyota was, I would say the person that got a Wujied was Alex Bowman in the in- incident with Kyle Busch. Kind of had nowhere to go. Just got pushed off the racetrack into the dirt. And ruined a top five, you know, run for him and put him all the way back in a 16. So that'll be that'll be my Wujid. And uh, yeah, yeah, we got to talk about our you might as well just talk about our picks too. might as well just make it worse. Well, I mean, it was pretty good for me. Not going to lie. I had a, a almost perfect weekend with Zane Smith finishing second and Suarez getting the win on Sunday. I told you. I told you he had to win at some point. I, it's not like I cherry-picked a, a road course or anything. But uh, Michaels picked uh, Parker Kligerman for the trucks. He finished seventh, so a good result for him. Um, as far as cup goes, uh, it was not very good. I think it was 35th Tyler Reddick finished. Uh, Listen, it was. I, 
This is this is how bad my my Sunday was, right? It, it, the only way it would have made it worse had like Chastain won, <laughs> right? But my actual driver finished thirtieth. You know, the whole team finished like ass, and then the one guy I the one time I picked Tyler Reddick finishes thirty fifth. Uh, I uh. I need a week. Wanna... I need a week break. Well, that's what you need getting. a week break. That's I need a week getting. break. My picks have just been awful. That's what we're getting uh, this week. I don't want to uh, go into the schedule yet, because, Michael, I know that you had something you wanted to discuss before we move on to that. I do. Just to take a side moment, I was thinking about this the other day. Right, You and I had sat here and talked about a couple weeks ago about ways to make the All-Star race better. Right, And I actually came up with a good idea. What if... Right, what if we make throwback weekend the all-star weekend okay okay right okay. because the the throwback weekend has kind of lost its luster at darlington uh-huh right it, you know it's just it's not what it used to be it's not under the lights anymore it, it's not the southern 500 there's actually no the point in doing it yeah now it's now exactly it's right and now right back i remember back when i was a kid one of my favorite times of the year was all-star race weekend because you got some of the coolest paid schemes Mm-hmm. Right, the Gold Miller card, the T Rex, the whatever hell you want to call uh, Dale Earnhardt's, you know, looks like my four year old drew on a piece of paper car. Uh, some sort of artist, I don't remember his name, but yeah, so, I get what you're saying. Right, and now you see nothing. It's just the regular paint schemes. It's boring. Mm-hmm. Right. So what if we took all the cool things about All Star Weekend, right, added the Throwback Weekend flair. Right, it's at home. It's at Charlotte. You know, take it back to Charlotte. Let them have fun with it. I think that you could incorporate those two and make a really, really cool weekend. And I think it would give the Austin race a little bit more flair. It add a little bit more uniqueness back to it. Right, and I think it'd be able to let some of the sponsors even be a little bit more free on designs and things like that. Yeah, because I mean, in theory, you could an All Star weekend. You can change your number too if you want. Really doesn't matter. So we've seen Kyle do that. We've seen Jimmy do that. I I like that idea. I mean, the only problem I have at this point is we've done throw throwback weekend for started in 2015, going on seven years at this point. I don't know how many schemes we have to throw back anymore. I do like the idea. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know what we throw back to anymore. Because I, I did like I, I I liked when they had. And they kind of did. I don't know that everybody followed in line with this, but they had like set eras before it seemed like that they wanted you to kind of follow in behind. So, I mean, I guess you could do something like that, maybe have set eras, but I don't, I don't know. You know, maybe, you know, and just maybe just something to add a little bit more flair to All-Star Weekend, right? Because everybody, everybody looks forward to the text message, you know, or the, the Twitter messages about, oh, this is the car they're running for. You know, the Darlington throwback week and all, you know, everybody gets kind of excited about it. It's just about building that little bit extra excitement for that certain weekend. And I think that would honestly go a long way to just maybe bringing a little bit more buzz back into a weekend that is kind of dazed now. Um, You know, because like you said, honestly, at Darlington, it's kind of run its course. It's kind of it's cool. It's it's fun, but it's still it's kind of blah at this point. It's. I'll be blunt. a lot of people. It's, it's it's over at this point. I think. Is yeah, you got it. you got people running. You know, their truck schemes like Christopher. That's not a throwback. Like that's not you know. <laughs> I forgot about that. Bubba Wallace running his late model scheme. You know, like 
at some point in time, enough's enough. So maybe maybe reserve that for you know a certain you know maybe the All Star weekend, just something fun to add a little bit more you know surprise, a little more umph into I think a dreary weekend uh, that the All Star has kind of become. Other than you know, it's not even almost a week off anymore type of deal. So that was just kind of an idea that was running through my head that I thought was a pretty good one that I wanted to get your opinion on. And can I put that out there? I did. I do like that. I do like that because it gives you another talking point. Because I mean, I mean, if they can get good schemes out there too, that has the potential to be a really good weekend. Do you have any ideas on stages, anything like that, the format, or is that just as far as you got with the uh, the throwback? So I did get a little bit farther. So I think the last stage needs to be ten laps. Agreed. That's that's a solid right. Yep. I think the first stage you have to make a mandatory pit stop. Okay. And it has to be a four tower pit stop. Can't be two. Can't be you know gas things like yep. that. It's got to be a four tower pit stop. Yep. The fastest four tower pit stop from that pit that um. Is this a green flag stop by the way? Correct. Yeah, it has okay. to be a green flag pit stop. The fastest pit stop, right, gets to invert the field by picking a number. For a stage two. So you don't have to win the stage, but you can invert the field. And okay. I think you, I, I like the one year where they kind of did the average running position gets the first, second, and third position. I think you do an average position at the end of that. So it gives you reason to run up front, you know, but you can't just win the, win the stage and then run at the back for no reason. You got to have a good average finish, have an invert, final 10 laps. And I think the winner should get an automatic playoff berth all right that may be where you lost me it's but gotta be worth something a million dollars to these guys isn't crap anymore we gotta up the purse it's you know of something points are not gonna be the answer to that i will say but you can throw well, more not. money what what what's what's the, what's the reason why are we to? gonna make the experimentation race the guinea pig race the one where you get in if you win how bad do you want it I, that's what the all race used to be. I just simply don't agree with that is I think what it comes down to, but everything else that you said, every other point that you made, I think is very solid. I think that has the makings of a very good all-star race. Honestly. Um, all right. Well, how about, how about you get five bonus points? There you go. There you go. The, yeah, the birth, the birth doesn't make sense, but I mean, other incentives like that make sense. I just, you got to make it worth more than just a million dollars because, like yeah. I said, a million dollars, these guys, isn't really anything anymore. I mean, half these guys make a make million dollars before the first three races of the year's over. Yep. Yeah. And I, that, I mean, that, that's a, that is a very fair point that you bring up. I don't know that throwing more money at it is going to incentivize guys anymore, but throw five I, bonus points into that, you know, maybe that does. I also, I also think that it should go back to the way it used to be. Past winners for 10 years, you get a 10-year 10 uh, 10 allowance into the All-Star race. So if you won, so say next year, 2023, if, you're last, if you won it in 2003, this is your last year of eligibility. And if you don't win in 2024, you don't get to race. It should also be any wins that happen after the All-Star race in the current year and before the All-Star race of the next year. So, you know, for this year, any for the 2023 All-Star Race, if you win any time between now 
and the all-star race you're in the all-star race not the oh you can win before the all-star race and be in the one next year too i i don't i don't agree with that one yeah i 100 percent agree with what you just said because i think I, you've sold i think me. We 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 have to have smaller all star fields. There's no reason to have a thirty a thirty car all star field because then you might as well just have the rest of the field. Yeah, then it might as well just be a regular race at that point. So correct. Yeah, and I, and I think you know go back to only having two people advance from or three people from uh you know the open yes. have the the two race winners and then the all and then the all star vote. Yeah, you don't need three stages in that open. It's crazy enough. Agreed. I, I don't understand why we changed that in the first place, how you got into the All-Star race. That never really made any sense to me, but uh, I definitely agree that we should probably get it back to where it was because, yeah, you, it's not an All-Star race if 30 of them are in there. They're not really All-Star yeah, there, at that point. So. There, wasn't, there wasn't really things that were broken with it. They just kind of lost their way on some things, and I think you just add a little bit more pizzazz, change it up. You know, this car races pretty good on, the, on a decent mile and a half. Heck, you go to Charlotte, you do an invert, you put the fastest car in the back, and let it go and see how it runs. I mean, yeah. heck, you know, what's worse that happens? You have half the field crash because they're sitting there trying to get back to the front for an average finish. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's just a little bit of my idea. I've been thinking about it on and off. I do like it. I like it. I think you should uh, write it down, mail it to NASCAR. They'll, uh, they'll definitely listen to it. But no. Yeah, I, they'll I, definitely, they'll send that back. Yeah, for sure. But no, I'll just put no. Just put Mike Skinner on there, Gunslinger, and maybe they'll listen. Uh, yes. It's close I, enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. But no, I do think that's a very good... Everything that you said there, I uh, I agree with. So I I wish they would listen to you, but it's... Uh, it, well, in a year in a year from now, if all of that stuff comes to fruition, you know where it came from first. If every single one of those comes to fruition, even if one of them comes to fruition, I'm looking at I you a, and be like, "You called." I need it. a paycheck. You need a paycheck. I need a, I need a paycheck. I need slice of the pie. I'll, I'll I'll send you a pizza. How about that? Does that work? All right, great. Uh. Um, all right, let's uh let's get into the schedule for this weekend. There's not much going on, folks. There are uh only a few handful of races. Obviously, it's an off week for the Cup Week or Cup Series, but uh this weekend actually has the trucks on full display. On Friday, it's going to be at uh Knoxville, if you weren't aware, Knoxville Raceway. Um Michael, I don't know about you, but I'm praying for a better show than we had last year because I mean, if I'm being very blunt, last year was an embarrassment based off what happened at the end there that was uh it, it turned into a demolition derby very quickly i don't know if you saw last year but it was uh unfortunately i did okay yeah it was uh it was not good so hoping for a better result this year but uh it's all starts on friday june 17th all times in eastern standard time uh no tv coverage on friday so again you can take friday off uh 7:05 eastern time going to be first practice uh about Two hours later, nine zero nine oh two. I don't understand why specifically at nine oh two, but whatever. Uh, Eastern time going to be final practice again. Nothing on TV for that. Uh, but on Saturday, uh, going to have two races. One for NASCAR. One for the other one. We'll get into seven o'clock Eastern time. The qualifying heats uh, going to be on FS one. Then two hours later at nine o'clock Eastern time, the Clean Harbors one fifty. You can catch it on FS1, listen to it on MRN. Michael, I think um, this might 
overlap. I'm going to have to take a look at this, but uh, on Saturday as well, uh, it looks like it may. Uh, going to be really? at, I think so. I don't know the specific times at the moment, but I do know at least for the SRX series, the Camping World SRX series. Um, if you're not aware of that, it's a bunch of old racers from the past, kind of like IROC. They get together at short tracks and they have a hell of a show. Uh, highly, highly, highly recommend watching it if you haven't. Those shows are always great. If you love Alan Bestwick, that's a reason alone to listen or watch because that voice just brings back so many memories. Uh, but yeah, they're going to be at Five Flags Speedway this weekend in Pensacola, Florida on June 18th. So I'll have to figure out a time, but I um, I don't know. SRX may take precedent over that truck race for me. I don't know. I, uh, I loved what I saw last year with SRX, so I am looking even more forward to it this season. So we'll have to see how Saturday goes down, but you do have a truck race and a srx race that you have and i believe this weekend we may have some more racing i do want to go over the picks though here first we only have to do one here for the trucks michael i'll uh <laughs> i i'll let you go first uh hmm. good luck yeah this is not the week where i'd want to go first <laughs> <laughs> all right do you want me to go first because i don't know who uh, I'm picking either. Uh, no i'll go first all right heck who who won last year? I don't even remember. Uh, uh, I don't remember either. <laughs> to be fair, I was out that night, but it was. Uh... I do. I do want to point out that there's a uh, that Brett Moffat will be on the twenty two. I see that. Uh, yeah. This weekend, so. Oh, um. Could take the easy way out. Buddy Copeway's going to be in the fifty one. No, I see. I'm not gonna do that. I'm actually. I was gonna go with Ben Rhodes, but I'm gonna go completely left field, okay. because she oh. ran really well there last year, and until the end, she ran in the top ten. She was fast. She just couldn't pass, which nobody could pass unless they just hit each other. So, in fairness to that. Yeah. I'm actually going to go with Haley Deegan. I think if she can just put together a solid start of the of the you know evening, if she can get a good qualifying lap, start up front in a heat race, and start you know top five in the main, I think she'll have a pretty decent shot at it. That's a bold pick. She does have a win on dirt in the uh, the Canaan East. I know that's the, the Canaan East, so you take with a grain of salt, but still does have that win, so... It's an interesting take. I like it. Let's see how it works out. I think uh, my pick, just because of the, the sheer speed he's showing on tracks, you wouldn't think of it. I think my pick actually this week is going to be Ty Majeski. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him and see what he can do out on the dirt in Knoxville. I honestly thought you were going to go Ben Rhodes. No. I, that would have been the easy one, considering he won at Bristol Dirt. But hey, uh, I have, I have more enough. class than that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good stuff. All right. I think that um, that does it for NASCAR talk. Michael, I believe we discussed we're going to be doing a podcast next week. We'll uh, we'll talk about the trucks, talk a little SRX, and uh, what other racing we got going on this weekend. Not much. Um, we have F1 back at Montreal, Canada for the first time since the pandemic. Probably one of my favorite racetracks on the calendar, whether it's Formula One. I loved when when um 
when the Xfinity series used to go there. So I'm excited for that. Always puts on a good race. You know, you can never be too sure how the weather is going to be. So I think that'll be a good race, especially with these new F1 cars. It'll be a good battle between Red Bull and Ferrari. If Ferrari could just get their shit together, which as typical Ferrari, they cannot because they're Italian and that's just how Italian cars work. And yes, that is a fact, not fiction. That is a fact. Uh, then we have a little bit of MotoGP um, as well this weekend. But other than that, it's it's SRX and and the Truck Series. So you get a pretty decent week off from racing, and before you hit into the you know summer months and hit it big, I do want to say that people who don't know the Pensacola Five Flag Speedways, that is where they have the Snowball Derby every year. Fantastic racetrack. Um, if you you know ever go and get to watch it. Uh, go stand and turn one and watch those cars be feet away from from the wall so that's pretty cool i'm looking forward to to this year for srx um uh, they have you know pretty pretty good lineup this year a couple faces from from last year and a couple new faces as well uh, rumor is you know we're gonna see some some matt kinsas some biffle you never know who's gonna show up and some pretty good short track legends as, as well with Matt Hirschman, who is the brother of Kyle Busch's spotter, Tony Hirschman, a very good short track. No, that's his brother. Very good uh, short track racer, as well as Bobo Pollard, which if you haven't seen Bobo Pollard, look it up. It is pretty good. Good stuff. Yeah, I didn't realize F1 was at uh, Canada this week, so I think I'm going to be watching that. I absolutely love Canada for the same reason you talked about when NASCAR Mm -hmm. went there. Those races were absolutely amazing. And uh, that's really the reason why I know that whole track layout by memory. So you can't um, you can't hate hate Canada, you know. No, that is it's it's one of my most favorite road course road courses that I've run on in sim. Not that, that says much. It's one of my favorite road courses, is what I meant to say. Um, I do, I do want to say a little bit more about SRX. So um, yeah. as the as the schedule goes through, there are some really really cool racetracks. Um, yes that they're going to nashville fairgrounds south boston i-55 raceway i mean you're gonna see some really really good shows asphalt dirt it don't matter uh one place i would absolutely i know this is a, a home track short track series one place that i would absolutely love for them to go one year is take these bad boys to bristol i think that they would put on one of the best bristol races that we've seen in a really long time that's just yeah. my opinion. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, I think my favorite track that they're going to be going to this season is going to be South Boston Speedway, just really because I have not seen a race live there. I've raced tons on iRacing, but I've never actually seen a live race there. So looking forward to seeing what those cars can do on the uh, little short track there in South Boston, Virginia. Michael, do you have a uh, a speedway you're looking most forward to? I don't know. I would probably have to say I-55. Um, okay. I, I don't know. There? Yeah. You know, it's that dirt track. Whenever you watch it with the World of Outlaws, those things are flying around there. So um, it's multiple groove. It's wide open. Um, you know, I'm hoping that that kind of translate into, you know, with the SRX car, at least, you know, with, with the racing. So I'm I'm pretty, pretty stoked for I-55 Raceway, but really on this list of, of racetracks, you can't, I don't know really too much about Sharon Speedway, but the other ones you can't go wrong with, uh, with the schedule they have here. I mean, I, I'm, I almost wish it was longer, you know, knowing that there's yes. more tracks 
available for these guys to go out and race at because these are iconic racetracks that they're going to um you know and it's just it's cool to go back to them you know for sure yeah those six weeks are gonna fly by just like they did last year so if you have not watched SRX, we cannot recommend it enough. They put on great shows. It's it's really just for the fans too. It's a it's a show for the fans. So I mean, sometimes the racing they they throw some cautions out there, but I mean, it's for fun your flags. best interest. Exactly, fun flags. They're for your best interest. It's a great time to spend two hours on a Saturday night. So if you don't want to watch the trucks or if it starts getting a little silly, just turn on to SRX. We can't recommend it enough. And if you like Alan Bestwick, and I think they may have um, James Hinchcliffe in there again. I don't really know who their second commentator is going to be, but um, I mean, if you have ever any memories of Alan Bestwick, that alone is enough to to watch because that voice can uh, bring back some memories and create some really good new ones for you. So highly recommend it, Michael. We have anything else to talk about here? Just with that the SRX deal, I, I one thing I encourage heavily is. If you want this to continue, if this one, if you want this to be an every year thing, if you want it to grow, which I want it to be, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, you know, if you want to see more drivers get involved with it, um, you know, maybe some current drivers do it on, on, on a Saturday night here and there. Uh, you know, some older drivers, drivers from from different series, you know, I think, you know, this is a good platform, a good opportunity, but. Like you said, it, it's for the fans. I don't know how much money the series really makes and how much, um, you know, how much of a profitable organization it is without the fans. So if you like this, if you want this to continue to happen, if you want better drivers, newer drivers, different drivers in these seats, then it's up to us to continue to watch and continue to go to all of these short tracks and support these guys. You know, there's no reason that, you know, maybe one day if Nashville Fairgrounds next year, maybe Dale Jr. will, will you know, lace up and, and go race. So if you want if you want these types of things to happen, it takes us as fans to continue to support these series because you you don't want to don't you don't want to lose the opportunity to, you know, maybe lose a, an all star type type field event that I think we all really want to see. A thousand percent what you just said and really just to back up your claim uh, Stafford Motor Speedway actually already announced that that race is going to be sold out. So Stafford Springs, Connecticut is going to be showing there for So if you're in the area of any of those races, you can check the schedule at srxracing.com. If you're in the area for any of those, I'm unfortunately not since I'm on the West Coast. But if you're on the East Coast, Midwest, and you have an opportunity to go to any of those tracks, highly recommend it. Um, a, you're supporting that series, as Michael said, but B, you're also just getting a really good show that you're going to. So, um, yeah, support your local short tracks and also support, well, I mean, they're going to local short tracks. So, yeah, so support your local short tracks, support the SRX series. And, yeah, I, uh, I think that'll uh, that'll do it. Michael, you got anything else? Yeah, I mean, I was just, I just wanted to real quick, just for reference, look up, look up tickets. I mean, I looked up tickets, flag stand you know, either up high or right at the the fence, $40. Can't beat that. For, for a ticket. I mean, yeah, you know, you, you may think it's expensive, but you're not going to a racetrack, you know, or a race of this caliber and paying $40, uh, you know, and it, and it all just takes support. Every seat that I clicked on is $40, you know, reserved. So take advantage, um, you know, it, it's a good deal. So like I said, just it's up to us to continue to go. Um, 
you know, and to support the racetracks. Cause these are, these are well-known short tracks that these guys are going to for, you know, late models, um, you know, those types of things. These are the tracks that some of our favorite race car drivers grew up on, you know, this, you know, we're going to Pensacola, which is five flag speedway. This is where Kyle Busch met Eric Jones, right? Eric yep. Jones beat him. He got a truck ride, right? So if we want to continue, like I said, those things happening, you know, we, we got to go out and, and support. So, um, you never know. Maybe if something comes up, I'm off on Saturday. Maybe I can convince somebody to make like a six hour drive up to Pensacola. You never know what'll happen. So, uh, but yeah, try to support as much as you can. If you can't make it, watch on TV. But other than that, that is it for me for the weekend. And I am just glad that I only have to pick for one race because they are awful. So honestly, picking Haley Deegan, it can't be any worse than last week. Indeed. Have to see how that works out. Well, I got nothing else too. So, uh, Michael, go ahead and take us to the house. As for a quick show this week, as usual. Thank you so much for listening to the 500 Mile Podcast. My name is Michael. His name is Justin. We will talk to you sometime next week with a fun-filled weekend of dirt track racing with some trucks, asphalt racing with some SRX, and we'll talk a little bit about any cup news that breaks down during the weekend. So have a good week. We'll talk to you later.